Okay, let's begin. Parshas Matos and Masse, Tavshin Ayin Hey. As we uh, have the one double Parsha that we've had, or haven't had in a while, uh, as we have the second Parsha as well during these three weeks of the three weeks of Peronus between Shavasavatamos and and Tishabav. But we start off with the Medrash Plia. As we know, there is no safer called the Medrash Plia. Medrash Plia just means the Medrash says something and we're mispale, we're in wonder. What in the world does the Medrash mean? The Medrash seems to connect two different things that have nothing to do with each other. That's how we start off. Beginning of Parshas Matos has the discussion of Nidarim. Parsha of Nidarim, all the laws of making a neder, as those learning Dafyomi now are heavily into Meseches Nidarim, the halachas of a husband, of a father, of a rav, getting rid of the neder, says the Medrash, source number one, Ish Kiyidar Neder Lashem, when a man makes a neder to Hashem, Hadahu Dechsiv, this is what is written, Kilo Yada Haadam Es Ito. We don't know how long we have on earth. Lo Yada Haadam Es Ito. That's Kiyidar Neder, we don't know our time. This is a Medrash Plia. What exactly is meant by not knowing our time and the Parsha of Nadar. My Nin Patsik Zelakan says the Kedusha Slave, he says the Blavi Yitzchak, based on a Gemara in Nesechus Nadarim, a concept. Baram, line two, in source number one. Matina Begamara, Shebishashah Adam Noder Karban. When a person makes a Nadar, when a person wants to give a Karban to Akadish Barachu, the Halacha is Al Yomar Lashem Karban. He should not say, To Hashem I am giving a Karban. Kiim Karban Lashem. The Gemara says you should always say Hashem's name second. Karban Lashem, not Lashem Karban. Why? Mishum Shem Yevate Es Hashem V'lo Yisalem Zamila Karban. A person is going to say Lashem and then Chas Vashalim, he might drop dead and then he said Shem Hashem for nothing. So you should never say Lashem Karban. Say Karban Lashem. If you say Karban and somebody drops dead, okay, there's nothing wrong with saying the word Karban. But the Gemara says that's why we should always say first the word and then Shem Hashem. Right, that is Lashem Karban. And that's what would happen if we would say the word Lashem first. That he might die pitom suddenly. So maybe that's the Kavan of the Medrash. What does the Pasuk say? Make a neder to Hashem. Let's say Lashem neder. It's neder Lashem. Why says the Medrash? Because we don't know how long we have here. We don't know our time, and therefore that's how the lashon that one should use in making the neder. So that is gets us started with the Ketushas Levi. That, by the way, the Bafarshim explained is why when we answer somebody who gives us shalom, we say aleichem shalom. Because the one who said hello to us, he said shalom aleichem, because there's a mitzvah to invoke Hashem's name when you greet somebody, and that's a special schus. So when you say shalom, which is one of the shemos of Hashem, you can say that first. But on the way back, the one who answers doesn't have that schus, because they're only answering. They're not makdim shalom lechaveiru, and that's why they say aleichem shalom. First saying the other word, and then only afterwards saying shem Hashem. Okay. Let's continue now with the next section in the Parsha. Paraglam and Aleph, Pasik Bey. So we have, as we mentioned, we had one thought on Nadarim, and then we have Baisheni. Hashem says to Moshe, Nikom, remember, we're in the 40th year. Moshe is the only one left. Miriam and Aaron have already died. It always falls out this week, Rosh Chodesh Av is Aaron Cohen's yard site, the only yard site mentioned explicitly in the Torah, the first day of the fifth month. 
says Hashem to Moshe, Nikom Nikmas Bnei Yisrael Me'es HaBidyonim. Take revenge from the Midyonim Achar Te'asif El Amecha. And afterwards, this is it. This is the last thing that you're going to do. Then you are going to pass on. You'll give the torch over to Yehoshua, as we already discussed in last week's parsha. Nikom Nikmas Bnei Yisrael Me'es HaBidyonim Achar Te'asif El Amecha. Fine, Moshe, take revenge. What does Moshe turn around to do? Moshe says, okay, everybody get together. Let's see who we can appoint soldiers. Who's going to be the officers? Who's going to be the heads of the soldiers, the heads of this unit, the heads of that unit? And what does Moshe do? Pasik Vav, Vayishlach Ota Moshe, Elef Latsava. And Moshe sends a thousand per shavit a number of years ago. We spoke about 12,000 altogether, so there was one shaver that must have not sent. Because if you count Menashe and Ephraim, or two Shvatim, and Levi, that's, th- that's 13, that's not 12. So somebody must have been left out. Okay, not for now. So what does Moshe do? He gathers the officers, and he sends, Pinchas ben Elazar ben Hakohen Latzava, he says, Pinchas, Uklea Kodesh, Vachatotos Hatrua. Ask the Medrash. Hashem tells Moshe, go fight. Hashem tells Moshe, do something. What does Moshe do? He hands off. He doesn't do it. He sends somebody else. Right? What's 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 going on here? Moshe Rabbeinu was told to do something by Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and he does it. He doesn't do it himself. He has What's going on? How can we understand Moshe's actions here? Says the that's the that that point Rashi does not deal with. Rashi deals with the the a different point, and that is even though Moshe Rabbeinu realized that his death was dependent on this victory, he did not not do anything, right? He did it anyway. He said, Hashem wants me to do this, even though that's the first section of source number two. Even though Moshe hears that his death is dependent on it, he did it with Simcha. Hashem wants me to do this. I'm not going to delay. The ultimate, the Baal Bitochon, when we have Tzivuyim that are difficult, but our great leaders in Tanakh, in the Torah, show us that I'm going to do this. We mentioned many times in the past the unbelievable Pasik that doesn't seem so unbelievable on the surface. But if we think about it, in Parshas Vayera, where it says Avram Avinu was commanded to take his son and offer him as a sacrifice, and three days later, when it's that morning, it says Vayashim Avram Avokar. Avram got up in the morning and he continued to do it. He got up in the morning. He was able to sleep the night before. He slept, relaxed. I slept, and then he woke up, and he did the Akedah. Would we have been able to sleep? Avram Avinu was a Babi Tachon. Hashem wants me to do this. That's all. I'm doing it. Vayashkim Avram Baboker. Unbelievable. He was able to sleep the night before. Moshe Rabbeinu here. Moshe's told to fight Midian, and then you're going to die. Okay. This is what Hashem wants me to do. He's in control. That's point number one. But we're going to focus on the other point of the Medrash. If you look in the second paragraph, in source number two, Hakadosh Baruch Hu Amar LaMoshe Nekom Nikmas Bnei Yisrael Meisam Midyanim Ata Baatzmacha Nekom You Take Revenge Ve'im Kain Heichu Mishaleach Es Pinchas Ben Alazar Ve'es Ha'Acherim Lenkom Es Nikmas Midyan How does he send Pinchas? Where does he go himself? What he thinks he's old? He's 119 years old. We 120 a couple of months. Hashem told him. Hashem will take care of him. He, he didn't get old. He was old, but he didn't get old as is described at the end of the Torah. He didn't get tired. He wasn't uh, worn out at all. He was still Moshe Rabbeinu. So why didn't he do it himself? 
explains the Medrish, Ela Mipnei Shenis Gadel Be'eretz Midyan. The Medrish says a concept that we're familiar with, but we're not so familiar with it in this context. As we'll see, we're familiar with it in uh, in other contexts. Mipnation is Gadel Be'eretz Midyan because Moshe Rabbeinu grew up. Not the first years, but when he ran away, he spent many years in Midian. Omar Moshe, Eino Bedin, Sha'ani Meitzar, Lamisha Asa Bitova. It's not appropriate for me to go fight and take revenge from someone who did a favor for me, who helped me out when I ran away. Hamasha Omer Barsha Shatita Mimanu Al Tizropo Evan. If you drank from a water well, don't throw rocks into it. Meaning, recognize uh, where you came from and what helped you helped you out. Says the Shalhevis Yosef. Mention the Shalhevis Yosef in the past. That was the Sefer written from a contemporary, from a Talmud of Ravad Yosef. He has a thought on every parsha, and then he has three pages of stories about Ravavadia related to the thought that he said on the parsha. The Shalhevis Yosef. Right? Keep the torch of Ravad Yosef uh, alive. Says the Shalhevis Yosef here. The parsha Senu Pokshimanu Shuv. We see from here the unbelievable Zihirus, the first Mida, the first Mida of the Ramchal, Zihirus. We see the amazing Zihirus that Moshe Rabbeinu had, B'mida Sakaris Atov. We're familiar with a couple of more well-known examples, but this one also, says the Shalhevis Yosef, has to do with Moshe Rabbeinu's recognition that... He couldn't do it himself. And he says, let's add one that we don't always think about. The first time that HaKadosh Baruch Hu appears to Moshe by the snare and Moshe puts up a fight. No, no, no. Five times till Hashem gets angry at him already. Enough. But Moshe puts up a fight. He finally tells Hashem and says, They're not going to listen to me. I have a lisp. I can't talk properly. So Hashem answers him, as we know famously, I'm the one that gave you a lisp. I'm the one that, that uh, did this and did that. I'm in control. Don't worry about it. Says the Shalhevis Yosef. Maybe there's a deeper understanding of Moshe Rabbeinu's claim here, of Ani Aral Svasayim. He knows that Kodesh Baruch gives the power of speech. He knows that. Because you have to wonder about it on the surface. What did Moshe see to push aside Hashem's command to save Amin? Hashem says, go save them. Moshe says, no, I don't want to. Klai will need him. And yet he's ready to refuse. And, at, and what's his refusal with? I, I have a lisp. As if Hashem doesn't know that. Hashem knows everything. Hashem could have healed him or Hashem could have given him a, help, given him a helper. As he did. So what exactly is meant? Line 19. Right? Hashem is behind the scenes. But he could do everything. So says the Shalhevis Yosef, maybe this also, it's a little rubbed out on the bottom, I'll read it. He's alluding to something deeper here in the same context of his Hakarasato feelings. Where did Moshe become Aral Sfatayim? 
How did he get a lisp? Ach la'ar ha'amar nireh. She Moshe Rabbeinu is coming lermoz kaviyach la'kadosh baruch hu. Moshe b'mahuto couldn't bring himself to do anything against someone who did him any little bit of a favor and kindness. So Moshe is even kaviyachol alluding to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Ani aral svatayim shenaase aral svatayim beveisol shaparo. You know where I grew up? You know who gave me food every day? You know who put a, ha- a roof on my head? I grew up in Paro's house. I grew up in the palace. Where did he come around Svatayim? Like the measure says, the pile of coals and the and the crown. And he was going to put his hand towards the crown. And the Malach came and pushed his hand over to the coals. And he put his hand to his lip and he burned his lip. And that's how he became Aral Svatayim. Maybe Moshe is hinting to that when he says, I can't go and directly do it myself and perform the Makos myself and start the process. They did something good for me. They helped me out. V'zei os I'm going to walk in there and they're going to remember what happened to me. I'm going to be difficult. How can I do that? I'm going to be such a kfui tova. That was his reaction. Hashem answers, you have to go anyway. Hashem answers, but even though they did that, but you have to go. Maybe Aaron will do a few of the first couple of makos and then when power refuses, he's going against you now. You had enough Hagar Satov to him, but says the Shalhevis Yosef, Number he, over here, he doesn't want to go fight Midian because he lived in Midian. By Arasva time, he didn't want to go to Paro. And then, of course, the, the more well-known ones, turning over the page, in source number three, why HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Moshe to tell Aaron to change the water into blood because, as the Medrash says, Lefisha Hagen HaYoara Moshe, Kishen Nishlach Lesocho, the Nile protected him when he was put into the river when the Mitzrayim were looking for him, he didn't want to touch the river by the Nile, by Dam, by Tzvardeya. It was only through Aaron. And then, also Kinim, the first three. Why? Because again, the Afar protected him. The dirt, the dirt, he has, he has, he has cars off to the dirt, to the water, inanimate objects. So he says, Rav Desler and others, he quotes it from Rav Desler, says, Afalpi line 8, the dirt doesn't feel bad. The water is not going to have a taina to Moshe Rabbeinu. Right? The water doesn't have a brain. The water doesn't have an intellect. So what does that mean? Oh, Moshe Rabbeinu has to give a karasatov. HaKarasatov is not only for the receiver. It's for the giver as well. And Moshe Rabbeinu was a person who had HaKarasatov to any item, be it a person, be it an inanimate object, for what that item did for him. And that is why he couldn't, and he wouldn't do anything to the water, or to the Ares, to the Afar, because of because of who he was. Who did he learn this from? Maybe his parents? Suggest the Shalhevis Yosef, though, there was one other person as well, earlier in history, that also teach us about Hakar Satov. And that was Yosef Atzadik. At least in the second half of his life as he got older. We know the Medrash tells us, the Chizkuni discusses this in the end of Sefer Bracious. Mevarim Musar Haskel Nifla B'midas HaKaras Yosef Atzadik. There's a Pasik in the end of Sefer Vayigash. In the end of Parshas Vayigash. When Yosef Atzadik was taking all of the 
food that was in Mitzrayim, and when nobody else had food, he took their animals. When they didn't have anything, what did he do? He switched them all around. He put them living in different places. Everybody had to switch so that nobody felt like a native while Am Yisrael, the Bnei Yisrael, felt like strangers. He wanted everybody to feel like strangers. Everybody feel equal, so he switched them all around and he took everything that they had. So everybody was, uh, was on equal footing. Except, says the Torah, the Kohanim of the Mitzrayim, the priests in Egypt, that he didn't bother them. He didn't bother them. Why? Line 14. He didn't take the land of the Kohanim. These weren't the Jewish Kohanim. These were Kohanim of Mitzrayim. No, he didn't take. Why not? What, the Kohanim was such Sadiqim? The Kohanim were also, you know, a part of the, that, uh, that government that threw him into the pit and hated Jews. So well, what, is, what does that mean? Why didn't he take them? Says the Medrash. If we think about it a little bit, what exactly happened in the courtroom that fateful day with Yosef and Asia's Potiphar. What happens, says the Medrash? Asia's Potiphar comes into the courtroom and says, He tried to attack me! I can't believe it! And Yosef says, You have anything to say for yourself? I know what she's talking about. She's making up the whole story. She's making up the whole story. Says the Medrash. So you know what Potiphar did? Potiphar said, Well, let's use logic. Who's holding the baguette? Who's holding the baguette? And where is the baguette? If she's holding his baguette, then we know she's the one who did the attacking. If he's holding her baguette, then we know he's the one who did the attacking. And it was clear who was holding the baguette. Right? Yosef ran out. He left his baguette with her. So Potiphar realizes that his wife is making up a story. But what is he supposed to do now? His wife. Right, he's the viceroy. He's bested by Yosef, this Ivri? It's another question. We should have asked this question first before we presented this other question. And that is, if anybody is accused of doing such a sin with the viceroy's wife in Egypt, what was the punishment? What, put him in jail for a couple of years? Didn't have jail. Off with his head, the death penalty. How did Yosef get off by going into jail? Says the Medrash to answer both questions. Because Potiphar realizes that Yosef was innocent. Potiphar realizes that his wife is making up a story. But he couldn't let him off scot-free because that would be an embarrassment to the state. Be an embarrassment to his whole family. But he couldn't kill him either because he was innocent. So he told the judges, who were the judges? The Kornim were the judges in Mitzrayim. So they all decided, you know what, let's put him in jail. We're not going to kill him because he's innocent. Let's put him in jail. Yosef never forgot that. Yosef never forgot that the Kohanim and Mitzrayim didn't kill him. They realized his innocence. And that is the Hakaras HaTov that he had for the Kohanim in Mitzrayim, all the terrible things that they did. But they helped him out personally. So that is why he didn't, um, he didn't hold it against them. And not only that, he did not take their land when he took all the other lands. Right? That was the, at the end of the piece. I just said the Medrash outside. Line 19. He did it a little differently. He's a rip from the front. He's a rip from behind. If, this, if the baggage is ripped from the back, you know Yosef was trying to run out. He was running. The Asia's Potiphar Kara es Bigdo. She tore his baggage. And not the opposite. And in that way, he was saved from death. And they saw it was corn in the back. Yosef let him off. 
Yosef didn't take because Yosef believed and acted in the midst of Akaras Hatov. It was Moshe many times, including in our parsha. It was Yosef. It was even, again, another example that Akaras Hatov is not only for the receiver, but for the giver. We know there's a minog in Klal Yisrael, two minhagim. One minhag, one's a minhag, and one's a pasuk in Chumash. The minhag is, source line 25, 26, the minhag to give food to the birds, Erev Shabbashira. Right? The halachically, it's better to give it before Shabbos, not on Shabbos. There's a halachic issue about feeding animals that do not rely on you for food on Shabbos. So Erev Shabbos, why are we feeding the birds? Why are we feeding the birds? Shabbashira. So the uh, the svarim about minhagim explain because the birds helped out Moshe Rabbeinu when Dasan and Aviram put out the mun on Shabbos morning to try to set Moshe up and they will lead everybody out and say, "Oh, you see, Moshe lied. You see, there is mun. The birds ate up the mun." So thousands of years ago, the birds did something for our greatest leader. We still show our appreciation. We still show that Moshe Rabbeinu uh, received something from them. And we act based upon it. We give them. Or he quotes the Pasuk in, in Parshish, in Sefer Shmos, in Perach Beis, in Mishpatim, line 34. If you have a piece of meat, non-kosher meat, so give it to the dogs. Why dafka the dogs? Why not other animals? Explains the Medrash. The dogs kept their mouths, their barks shut when we left Mitzrayim. There's even a, a custom that some have. If there's any people who are afraid of dogs and there's a dog near them, they say this pasik, the dog goes away. Right, but we have for the dogs, for the dogs, for the birds, for the Kohanim and Mitzrayim, for the water, for the for the dirt, for Midian, and for Mitzrayim. Says the Shalhevis Yosef, that is an inherently Jewish Midah. He doesn't mention this, but that's obvious, that we are called Yehudim. We are called after the fourth Shevet. Why? Hapam Odeas Hashem. Because Leah says, I will now give Hoda'ah. That's the Mahus of what we are. We have to make sure that we focus on it and realize. Hakar Satov is out of a recognition that I needed somebody else, that somebody else did me a favor, that I couldn't do it myself. That sometimes is difficult for us to admit to. But that is what we have to do, to say thank you to all of those who helped us out even even in a little way. That's what he writes at the end of source number four. It's difficult for us. We are we need others. That's what Akaris Atov reflects, that I can't do it alone. It's the opposite of arrogance. Arrogance focuses on me. Hakar Zadol focuses on others. Says the Shalhevis Yosef. That is exactly the message that we learn from our great leaders. And I didn't give it to you. He goes into the couple of store, pages of stories after that relating to Ravad Yosef and his Midah of Hakar Zadol. Okay. Moving right along. Parak Lamed Beis. Almost one thought per parak here. Lamed Beis. Pasig Lamed Gimel. A question that maybe has bothered many of us at some point in our lives, at some point in our learning. Says the, actually, we'll get to that uh, Lamed Gimel soon. I'm sorry, I skipped one. First, let's go to the Orachayim HaKadosh. Perak Lamed Beis, Pasa Gimel, beginning of the Perak. B'nai Gadim, B'nai Ruvain. The next major story. B'nai Gadim, B'nai Ruvain, and later on, Menashe join in. We want this portion of land. Aver Hayardin looks good to us. A lot of area for pasture for our animals. 
and we want to settle here. Says the Pasik Umikne Rav Hayala Benegado Bene Ruvain Atsum Maod. Tremendous. The Pasik says this objectively, so it must have been really tremendous. They had a very large amount of cattle. Vayiru and they saw Eres Eres Yazer, Vets Eres Gilad, Vineamakom, Akom Mikne. They saw it was a great area for pasture. Vayavo Bene Gadu Bene Ruvain, Vayomru, El Moshe Valazar Akom, and Zied Elimar. Bene Gadu Bene Ruvain, um, uh, uh, come to Moshe and to Elazar. They come and they have a taina. And they want the land that they see. But what do they do? Atar Pasa Gimel, Lamebez Gimel, Atarod, Vidivon, Viyazer, Vinimra, Vicheshbon, Vialole, Usvam. They go through every single tiny little place in Avrayardin. Every little one. What do we have to know every of these all these names for? It was Avrayardin. They had to name every single one. What is Pasa Gimel there for? Just say Avrayardin. Question one. Question two. Ha'aretz asher hika Hashem lifnei adas Yisrael, the land that Hashem has conquered before us, Eretz miknehi, it's a land great for cattle, v'la'avadecha mikneh, and for your servants mikneh, please, v'yomru, if we find favor in your eyes, let us have it, and we all know Moshe's extreme reaction uh, against them. But as the Arachayim HaKadosh, Tzarech Ladas, source number five. Why do we need to know every name of every city? We'll have to get back to this question a little bit later when we talk about the Masaos in the beginning of Masay. But ask the Archaim HaKadosh, why do we have to know every name of every city? Why isn't it enough just to say one general statement? Just say the Pasuk Dalad. You don't need Pasuk Gimel. Just say this land that Hashem has helped us conquer. What do we need Pasuk Gimel for? Question number one. Question number two. Oh, Okay. Base. Homro. Ha'aret asher v'chulu. This land, these cities, and this land that Hashem has helped us conquer. Did Hashem help us conquer some other land? They're saying, this land, they just conquered this land. What are they emphasizing by saying, this land that Hashem helped us conquer? We, they know Hashem helped us conquer them. Is there another land that Hashem helped? Is there another Yazer and Nimra and Cheshbon that Hashem didn't help them conquer? So they have to specify, oh, the land that Hashem helped us conquer, these eight cities. What exactly is going on here? Says the Archaim HaKadosh. And there's a lot to talk about. We're just going to have this one thought. Regarding the claim of Bregada Bnei Ruvain, what was the problem with their claim? Which we're not going to focus on so much right now. That that brought out such a uh, visceral reaction from Moshe Rabbeinu, such a such a radical anger that he, or or at least uh, upset that he had, that he thought that they were all doing the a uh, repeating previous sins. But either way, says the Archaim Hakadosh to answer this question. Kian Hashema Eila, line eight, his kilu. Ladaber, Beseder, says the Archaim, they knew potential problems with their suggestion. And they were trying to cut off some of those problems. They knew some of the complaints that the other Shvatim were going to give when they asked for this. And that's exactly why they were trying to preempt. They were trying to say something, Hiskilu, 
They were trying to say something so there wouldn't be any problems. Number one. Right, if, number one, says, you know what complaint people could have had against them? This belongs to, belongs to all of us. Why should you get it? Right, all these lanes belong to all of us. We're not going to give this to you. This is ours too. That's one complaint that they knew the other Shvatim might have against them. That this is all ours. Number two, Bayes, how could it even go up in their mind that they'll stay here, they'll relax, they'll be secure in their land, that has already been conquered by all Am Yisrael, it's not fair. You're going to stay here, we all conquer this together, you're going to stay here, then we're going to go conquer the rest. And you're going to stay here? That's not fair. And that would be a good taina that they would have. It's not fair. Why should everybody help the first three Shvatim and then the next nine, the first three aren't going to come? So those are two problems that they knew they would face. Two questions they knew. They'll all say, oh yeah, I'll take this land. I'll stay here. They'll all say that. But they knew that that would be something that they have to answer. Let's continue. Says, I have an idea. I have an idea how to counter those claims. Line 16. What do they say first? We didn't read the third one. They answered all these questions. By listing off all of them and saying, Ha'aret Hashem. Hashem. What were they saying? Last three words, Kenegat Taina Aleph. Sheha'aret Yisrael. The first Taina, the land belongs to all of us. What are you, what are you saying? Yesh b'mamar zetshuvalazeh. No, this is, the land doesn't belong to all of us in the way that you're thinking. B'nei Gada B'nei Ruben are telling the rest of Am Yisrael. Shalolachu ha'aret b'derak teva lomar. Halolonuhu. We conquered. We didn't conquer anything. Who conquered? He conquered. Capital H. We acted a little bit on, on the front. But there's no way it should have happened. The strongest kings in the strongest lands. So you know what we were saying? This doesn't belong to all of us. It belongs to him. It belongs to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Moshe's in charge. Because Moshe is Shliach. And therefore don't say, oh, it belongs to all of us. How are you going to take it? It doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. And if Moshe decides something, Moshe could do that. Number one. Number two, same idea connected. What was the second problem that they might have raised? It's not fair. We're putting ourselves into Sakana while you stay here. Says Begadamene Ruvain. If we were acting and we were involved in wars Bederachateva, so then you have a good you have a good claim. You have a good problem that oh you're putting yourself into danger. But what's happened over the past couple of months? Hashem has fought for, uh, for us. Above nature. So you have to have nothing to worry about. It's HaKadosh Baruch who is involved. So there's nothing to worry about. And the land is not ours. That's why they have to emphasize all of these. We're coming to ask from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
And the second taina, that their brothers are going to go into Sakana, and they're going to stay, line five, bish, in the second column, bish, lamayim yerushas ha'aretz ha'isa b'derech teva ha'isa ta'na If this was a war based on natural forces, so then fine. We understand that it's natural, so it's not fair that we stay back. But if I got a Shbaruch who is in charge, and he's the one fighting, doesn't matter if there's 10 people fighting or 1,000 people fighting. If I got a Shbaruch, but we're still fighting with thousands of people. That's what it means. HaKadosh Baruch who did this. We didn't do it, so it's all his, and we have nothing to worry about. And that's the verbosity that the, the Psukim say here, the Archaim HaKadosh goes through uh, these extra words as if to say that this is why we want the land, and this is why you have nothing, you have nothing to worry about. Okay. Moving right along. Now we get to the end of the parak that I mentioned before. A question that probably has bothered all of us at some one time or another. Paraklamid Bays, Pasaklamid Gimel. Pasaklamid Gimel. What happens? Moshe. Moshe agrees. After he says, you can't do this, they say, we're going to come fight with you. Moshe gives them. God, Reuven, half of Sheba Menashe. What does he give them? The Mamlacha of Sichon, Melacha, Amori, and the Mamlacha of Og, Melach, Habashan. Oh, Melech Abashan, who just died recently. As we saw in the earlier parshios, the Gemara in Brachas tells us exactly how that, how that occurred. He was going to throw a mountain on Moshe, and Hashem made the ants come, and it went around his neck. Okay, Og, Og is no longer. But if you look in the Elena L'Shabeach, in Rav Zilberstein's uh, Sefer on Chumash, one of them, he has the kasha that many of us are bothered by. Og lived really long. Og is always popping up. And Og was around by Parshas Noach. He's hanging on the outside of the Teva. And he's still here with Moshe Rabbeinu. That's unbelievable. That's centuries and centuries. And he wasn't a great Sadik. What was it about Og? Okay, we always say, Ha-Palit, he ran to tell. Okay, that's one one thing he did. But why was he Zochet to such a Richas Yamim? And then at the end, he met such a terrible death. But how was that? Let's read the Alein Shabayach, which will tell us an insight into something that we Lamaisa could do very easily. Something that we could learn, we could try to make it more part of who we are. Especially at this time of year, during the three weeks, when we're trying to focus on others. This message. Source number six. Yesh anashim, she'enam choschim chavrehem machmos. There are some people out there that don't hold back giving compliments and praises to others. And when they see someone else or somebody else's children do something amazing, they compliment them, they praise them. Wow, you know what I saw your son do today? You know what I saw? In a nice way. Not in a jealous way. In a heartfelt way. Says the Alin Lushabeach, Lovan Besides the basic Bain Adam Lachavero that they are accomplishing, you would want to get compliments, so you should give compliments. But Sarah Ladash Zugam Skula Yamim. Giving compliments to others is a skula for long life. 
How do we know that? Someone who compliments their friend wholeheartedly, nicely. He should know that there's an eye that's watching, an ear that's listening. And Arichas Yamim is forecast. Where do we know this from? The Targum Yerushalmi, the beginning of Devarim, where he quotes Og Melech why was Og Zochet to such Arichas Lamim? That he lived all the way from Noach to Moshe Rabbeinu. He quotes it verbatim, line 11. Kivan to Chama Moshe Yas Og Rashiyah. When Moshe saw Og the Russia, Za Umirtas bin Kadamohi, Moshe was scared of him. Moshe started shaking when he saw Og. Why? Va'amar. He said, Halodenu, this is the one, Davi Mishasi Lavram Bissara. This is the one that did a kindness to Avram and Sarah. What kindness? Va'amar Lahoni said to them, Atun Damien Li'ilonin Shtilin. You too, Avram and Sarah, you are like strong, beautiful, set with deep roots, trees. You're very strong. Al-Mabu and Damayin, and you're next to uh, sources of water. Begain Cain, because of this, Hashem gave him long life. What does the Tagim Yerushalmi say? Because Og gave a compliment to Avram and Sarah, he was Ochet to long life, such that hundreds of years later, Moshe Rabbeinu was still scared of him. And Moshe Rabbeinu started shaking because he said, this is the one, this is the one that gave a compliment to the first Jew. I'm nervous. Dover nifla reinukan. What do you see from here? Shebischus hamachmos in the schus of the compliment. Shayaok omer laavrim v'sara zachal arichas yamim. He was oche. Yes, he met his demise at the hands of the descendants of Avram because he also said to them in the next line, "You're amazing, but your kids, you don't have any paris, right? They're not going to be like you." And he insulted him them also. So it's bida kedegemida. But Hashem didn't take away the compliment that that he said. Says the Olein of now, next time where it's underlined. If we would realize that giving compliments is not just a nice thing, but we would realize that it causes long life, it would be much easier for us. Sometimes it's hard for us because giving a compliment to others is kind of saying that it's not me. And I'm lacking something. And I'm missing something. You get the compliment. It's similar to the Akar Satov idea. It's recognizing that someone else is valuable, has something that's worthy of praise. And that's why it's not so natural to us. But if we think about that, we also get something out of it. Maybe that'll help us out a little bit. Og Melachabashan. Arichas Yamim. Because he gave one compliment to Avram and Sarah. What would happen if somebody would go over to a father of a boy who you know is learning very well and you would tell him, you are, you must have been doing something, something well. You must have been doing something because your son is amazing. Or we go over to somebody and say, you did this correctly, you did that correctly and this, uh, this looks amazing. Whatever it is, that's what we have to focus on. There's so much of the opposite there's so much of, we're interested in saying things that hurt, Onaz Dvarim and others and Rechilus. 
But we have to realize and remember that this is this is what we have to do. Not in a condescending or an illegal, non-halachic, flattering type of way, but in a heartfelt, truthful way that we want to give Ba'ayin Tova and share our goodness with the other person. So we have Akaras HaTov tonight and we have giving compliments tonight. Okay, let's continue now as we have all the way at the end of Parshas Matos before we have a couple of thoughts on Masi as well. Paraglamid Bays, we have on the same passage that we just read. Same passage that we just read. The beginning of the discussion of these Shvatim that wanted by Eber Ayardin, there were only two Shvatim. And then along comes half of Menashe. Reuben got in half of Menashe. Ask the Medrash. We started with a lot of Midrashim today. Ask the Medrash, why was Menashe the only Sheva to be split? Half Eber Ayardin, half in Eretz Yisrael. There was one other Shevet that also had different portions in Eretz Yisrael, but they were both in Eretz Yisrael. They weren't contiguous. But, Menashe was the only one that was Mamish split. Full Kedusha and less Kedusha. Menashe. Says the Medrash. Source number seven on the bottom. This is from the Otsur Satorah. Says the Medrash, line two, Ki Menashe, a very surprising Medrash. Ki Menashe Garam L'Shvatim L'Kroa. Remember way back in the end of Sefer Bracious, Menashe was the advisor, the hidden advisor of Yosef. Yosef sends Menashe back when the brothers took the goblet. It was in Binyamin's knapsack. They open it up. Menashe takes it out and says, all of you are coming with me. What's their reaction? They rip their clothing. Kara es Says the Medrash. Menashe was the one who ultimately caused that. Because he caused Kriya, his Nachla, his portions in Eretz Yisrael were Nikra. Lefichach Nikra Nachalaso. His portion was cut. Chetzia Be'eretz Hayardain, the Chetzia Be'eretz Kenan. Says the Osiris Hatar, wait a minute. Let's think about this. Did Menashe do anything wrong? No, he was following orders. He wasn't only following orders of the king, he was following orders from his father. He was doing Kibbut Aim. His father said, go back and tell them, and it's part of this divine plan, and this is what we're going to do. And yet the Medrash says, somehow he was held responsible, or somehow he was being punished for it. Source number eight on top. Daverzem Musar Haskel. You know what we see from here? Again, something we've touched on in the past. I could be the, do the greatest of actions. I could do the greatest mitzvah. But if it causes a fellow Jew pain, there's going to be a consequence. It's going to be a consequence. It's like the Bali Muster said, you're putting your hand into fire. It doesn't matter if you're doing that for the greatest purpose in the world. You're going to get burned. If I'm going to cause a fellow Jew pain, I could have the greatest kavanas. Like we've spoken in the past about Penina and Chana. Penina, right, made Hannah's life miserable in order to get her to Davin. Harder. But she lost her kids. Why? Because we don't make cheshbonos when it comes to mitzvahs ben Adam l'chaveiro. Ben Adam l'mokom, something else to talk about. Ben Adam l'chaveiro, we don't make cheshbonos. Menashe didn't make cheshbonos. We're not even making cheshbonos. If it's a mitzvah, it's a reality. If I cause pain to a fellow Jew, how careful we have to be. But calls those line two. Kivan Shagaram Tsar Lushifte Ka, the Hevi Lakriya Simlosam, because he brought Tsar to with the Shvatim, 
How careful we have to be. He was following his father's command. And it wasn't to be Mitzair. Right? That's going to happen. Miriam Anavia spoke Lashon Hara. She had the greatest Kavanis. Greatest Kavanis. She wasn't Lahachis. And Moshe Abinu didn't take offense to it. But there was a punishment, there was an onesh. Because that's the way it works. With mida keneged mida, we cause pain to someone because that's the mitzias. If this applies in the negative, it also applies in the positive. As we go over to Parshas Masih, we have the exact same idea, basically in the positive sense. In the positive sense. And this also relates back to something we discussed earlier. Elo Masih b'nei Yisrael. Says the Medrash Tanchuma, source number nine. La mezachu masos elu lihikase vatora. Why were all of these forty-two masos? Why were they zochet to be listed in the Torah? What do I have to know about every name? We'll get to the exact names of Hashem a little bit later. Fascinating thought, but what do I have to have them listed in the Torah? Chashmona was number twenty-five, right? We know that. But why is, do I have to have all of these names listed? Moseros, Bnei Yakon, and Alush, and Rafidim, Yamsuf, and all of them. What do I have to know them for? Is the Medrash. So, Rashi quotes an answer, the Rabban quotes a couple of answers, which we've just, uh, mentioned in the past. But this year we'll do this one, the Medrash. Elamipnei, Shekiblu es Yisrael Bamidbar, Vahayu Archehem. For 40 years, the desert hosted the Jews. The desert opened its doors to Am Yisrael. Yes, Hashem helped it out with the Anamiyakavid, the Man and the Be'er. But the Midbar was Ma'areach, so to speak, the Jews. And Hashem in the future will give the reward to all of these stops and places where the Jews stayed. Right now the Midbar is dry, desolate, hot, in the future, says the Medrash, Yahafoch Hamidbar Liyishuv, Ve'yiyu Bomayim Rabim, Ve'etzim Rabim. It's going to turn into a fertile, into a unbelievably moist, able to grow things, unbelievable pastures. Says the Medrash, because the Midbar did it, so too it's going to get the reward. The Midbar? What did the Midbar do? As we said before, the Midbar is not animate. The Midbar doesn't have an intellect. And what did it do? It didn't even have a choice, really. Hashem sent them into the Midbar. The Midbar did something good for someone else, so they're going to get something for it. Beforehand, we do something negative against somebody else, we hurt somebody else, the smallest thing, that's the natural result of painting someone else. That was Chan and Penina, that was Menashe, Nikra. But right after that, what do we have at the beginning of this parasha? The Masos. The Masos teaching us that if there's anything good done for a fellow Jew, the Midbar was Ma'areachas, that is something that we have to realize. We can learn a Kalvachomer from this. Ma Midbar, Shein Bodas. A Midbar doesn't even have any intellect. Yifralo, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Scharo, Al Sheirachas Yisrael, Hashem will pay back the Schar. So, Kalam Ma'areach, Tamar Chacham, Betoch Beso. If you give a fellow Jew, you give a Tamar Chacham food, and your Mahanem in Chasav, Al-Achas Kama surely this is something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will, will help you out, help you out. And he said, you think about it, I'll give you another example. 
Another extreme example. We know the story of the Miraglim that Yehoshua sent out. Where did they stay? They come to Yericho. They stayed in the house of Rachav Hazona. Rachav Hazona. Known for her znus. And what happens later in history? After she helps out the Miraglim, she puts them on the roof, she sends them down by the rope, and she saves their lives. Chazal tell us in Megillah, she ultimately converted and married Yoshua ben Nun. She married Yoshua ben Nun. Rachav. Why was she Zoha? After all that she did, she converted and she married Yoshua ben Nun. What do you see from here? Says the Saba from Kelman, Chachmu Musar. It's quoted here in source number nine. She did a little chesed. She did something for the, for two Jews that were in need. She helped them win the war. That's chus was Omedes. That's Chus stayed with her for later in history when she was looking for her partner in life, Yoshua ben Nun, none other than the one that kept the torch going after Moshe Rabbeinu. What a great Chus to just do a little chesed. So we have the opposites. Hurting a fellow Jew, Rahman al-Islan, and helping a fellow Jew. That is what we have to focus on. Any little bit does something, does something amazing. Okay, let's get two final points for for tonight's shir. Lamed Beis, Mem Beis. I'm sorry, this is focused. Probably not keeping the halacha. We're focusing mostly on the first parsha. We're supposed to, supposed to have equal number of aliyos, right? Three and three in each parsha, and then one that trans, transitions. So we had most of our thoughts tonight on parsha's matos. But od chazon away, There'll be other times when we could also focus on masay. We'll have one thought on masay at the end, which will which will help us uh, end with a bang. But first, we have the second to last thought. Second to last thought. Last Pasuk in the Parsha. So we have the Nachala. We're going to go to source number 10. We have the Nachala that was given to Eber Hayardin, to all of the Shvatim. And we have the last Pasuk. The second to last Pasuk, let's start with. So Moshe gives Gilad to Machir ben Menashe. He lives there. And Yair ben Menashe goes. He captures Chavosehem. He captures a couple of the cities around that area. And he calls them Chavos Yair. Right after his name, Yair ben Menashe. He calls him Chavos Yair. Novach, last Pasuk. Novach then went and captured Knas and its suburbs. And he called it Novach after himself. He called it Novach after himself. Says Rashi. The law, the law, the Yikra law, Novach, should have a dot in it, should have a mapik. It doesn't. Why? Because it's as if Rashi says, it should say low, right? It wasn't, not law. That's what it lose by not having the dot. What's low? These cities didn't last with Novach's name on it. Uvitamahani says, Rashi doesn't like it, but that's the day of that Rashi quotes. We quoted a similar thought that we're about, that we're about to say from Rav, Rav Schwab a number of years ago. If you don't remember it, it's, a, it's an amazing one to review. But this time we'll see it through the words of the Menachem Tzion. Menachem Tzion that we've quoted in the past, Rav Zaks. Says the Menachem Tzion, he quotes the Rashi on top. Novach was wanted so much to have his name eternalized by giving the cities his own name. Says the Menachem Tzion, how do we internalize ourselves? How do we make ourselves live forever? What do we do? What do we have to do? 
And what do many people do? We have this burning desire to allow ourselves to live forever, even though we know we can't. So we try to do things that allow us, our memory, to memorialize ourselves. Something that could last even after we are no longer in the world. Much money is given to Mifalet Sibur, not just Lashem Shamayim, Staka, but because people want their name known forever. They want it on a building, they want it on a fund, they want it on this, they want the name. Again, it's better not, they're not giving. But giving, he says, some of the people give a tremendous amount. Because of the name that comes associated with it. A floor, a building, an organization. These people are tamim. They buy, they sell, they are being kone, a shame olam. Says the Benachim Sion, it's not the building that's gaining them the shame olam. Because, he says very sharply, right now, during the time that they give, and maybe a couple years after that, people still associate the name of the building with the name that's written on there, and they recognize who gave, but in 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 years, when people see the name on the building, they have no idea who that person was. That's not going to make them remember you. But what's going to help remember you? Not the name on the building, but the mitzvah that you did to cause your name to be on the building. That's the ultimate hansacha. It's the maisa ha-mitzvah itself. We shouldn't be looking. He doesn't. It's not negative. If that will in, uh, encourage people, that's fine. That's okay. But our ultimate realization has to be that what's going to take us through history, remembered, is the mitzvah itself. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Zohar Kalanishkachas. Hashem remembers everything and He recognizes all that is, all that is done. And that is what we have to focus on. The mitzvos and the Torah that makes us eternal. Okay, last thought for the evening. I gave you a Shvile Chaim in source 11 and 12. We're going to skip that for now because part of it got cut off. So, Ben Hashem, there'll be another year where I will uh, uh, put that in. But So, we're going to just going to go to the last source and that's 13 and 14. The Masos. The message of the Masos, Rav Steinsaltz here, gives us an insight into life that we have to take with us. In a Sefer Chaye Olam. Why are all the Masos written, as Rashi asks, as the Ramban asks, and so detailed. So detailed, why do we have to know all this? Says Rav Steinsaltz, these Masos are a marshal for life. If you look at the Masos, it's clear. We don't know exactly where each spot and stop was, but some of them we kind of know. And it was not in a straight line. It sounds like first they went north, and then they went south, then they went west, and they went all over the place. Darko Shel Adam, line 7, he says, you know what the message is for us? The way of a person, life is not straight. 
Life is not smooth. Life doesn't go from stop to stop to stop in one straight line from the starting point to the ending point. Let's think about those Masos, the national traveling. Hemolchin Safona, they go north. They go east. Daroma, Ma'arava. We go backwards, upside down, straight. That's life, says Rabbi Steinzaltz. We have no idea what we're doing. We just follow the Anan. Where were they? They were near Syria, that's north, and then they went back down, right, without going to the Yardane. So they were they were going in circles. Next paragraph. It's telling us Klal Yisrael. Klal Yisrael, in general, the national movement of Klal Yisrael towards the destiny of Mashiach is not a straight line. Geula is not a straight line. We go forward a little bit, then we go back, and then we go sideways, and then we get back on track, and then we go... Geula is a process. And Galos is a process. And that's what these Masos teach us. This is life of Am Yisrael. Also today, line 26, we are find ourselves in a desert. Not in Sinai, but in the Midbar over the past 2,000 years, but Galus. And we're not here for 40 years. We're here for almost 2,000 years. And just like in the desert, they went to one stop, they didn't know how long they would be there. Until history, until the cloud moved. Throughout this history, we had one stop, we were in Spain. Then we were in France. Then we were in Poland. Then we were in here. We were in Eastern Europe. Now many are in America. Right? Eretz Yisrael. We're all over. And we never know how long a certain stop is going to be and when the Ananiya Kavid is going to signal to us to start leaving, to go to the next Tachana. And we don't know if this were at the, which Tachana we're up to. What number Tachana? What number stop on the train we're up to? Because B'nai Yisrael didn't know that either in the desert. And some are going to be shorter and some are going to be longer. But that's the point of the Masos. It's the message for life. And, he says, it's not only the message for our national life. It's the message for our personal life as well. In the second column on top, he talks about every Jew. Right? We don't, we don't, nobody has a life that just goes straight. Nobody has a life like that, that goes smooth and straight, no bumps in the road. We go forward and then we take a turn off that we didn't even realize. We took a wrong exit, but it wasn't a wrong exit. It was an exit that we had to take. That we try to get, get back on the highway, we're going the wrong way. Right? On the highway, we gotta get off again and go back and forth and back and forth. And that's even if you look at the names, some of the names of the, of the stops. He says, sometimes we feel we are in Amek Avel Hashitim. Right, we're in low, sometimes we're in miscut, sweet, it's, it's delicious. Sometimes we are in, um, years before we, we change, and sometimes we, it goes right away, it goes very quickly, up and down. But that's our personal lives as well, he says, we have to realize that. Ultimately, B'nai Yisrael looked back at their 40 years and realized everything was a stop along the way of a process. And they realized everything had to be done to go through that process. So too, he says, when we look back, when we look back, we'll realize that was a tachana and that was a stop and that was a stop and it was all part of the process. So when we have to realize and think about the masaos, they're not just listed here for, for a Kaddish Baruch Hu's benefit, they're listed for us, 
We can think about sometimes we're in Rafidim. We feel Rafui bin Torah. Sometimes we're in Chat Kivros Hatava. Sometimes we can't control our Yetzahara. Sometimes we're in Chatzero. Sometimes we're in, some of them are positive. Livna. Each one at Pikelasa. We feel together with each other. Right? Sometimes we're in Harada. Sometimes we're in, uh, we're in a state of shock. Right? Each one of these is a message for us. We just have to read the Torah with the deep eyes of Rabbi Steinsaltz to realize that this section of the Torah is really a message for our lives. Okay, we'll stop here. The next week we'll have the last year before Tishabav, the Shabbos of Dvarim, Parshas Chazon.